Hello, awesome. It's me. It's your old buddy Steve Simonson, and here we are one more time to talk about the world and the world that we live in. Actually, today we're going to talk a very specific part of the world about a very specific part of the world, and that part of the world is Vietnam. And we're going to talk a little bit today about why I think Vietnam is important and why I believe that it's underutilized and I think in some ways misunderstood about how it fits into the global supply chain. So here we are, everybody. It's time to talk about Vietnam 2023. Now, first, I want to let you know that if you haven't already left a review or subscribed and shared and, and done all the things that the good awesomers would do, then uh, now's a good time to do that. And I thank you in advance for doing so. Uh, so the reason I'm talking about Vietnam is because I have recently decided to take a, a small cadre of uh, sourcing people to Vietnam to learn how to source in Vietnam. Now, why would uh, Vietnam be the place I take you instead of China? Well, there's one good reason. China remains extraordinarily annoying when it comes to COVID lockdowns. And every every time they they give a little tiny inch like hey maybe we're going to maybe we're going to change our policy and let it let it get a little easier on you which by the way some screenshot of a of a interdepartment ccp memo saying you know maybe we'll uh, open up around the springtime 2023 increase like that got wild uh, that got loose into the wild one would say and the stock market in China was so excited about it, their, the value went up by half a trillion dollars. So, pardon me, let that sink in just for a minute. The entire stock market value went up by half a trillion dollars on a rumor that was never verified and remains not just unverified, but disputed by the, the central government. Not just disputed in words like, this is not an official policy, stop saying it is but by their actions as the country of China is continuously and perilously locked down more and more often. Now, you guys, uh, if you've listened for any length of time, you know that my general opinion is COVID, everybody's going to get it, and there's no way to stop it, and uh, it doesn't really matter what you do, we're all going to get it, and the more healthy will have you know little to no effect, and the very sick will have uh, terrible, uh, if not catastrophic effect. This is the nature of disease at large, and I am not an epidemiologist, so you can ignore my opinions on this. But I think the evidence is quite clear. Uh, I've had COVID, by the way, three times, so uh, I, I at least have that perspective of, you know, having the the uh, the issue, and it, it's not that I enjoyed it, but you know, I'm I was lucky enough to to uh, not suffer significant uh, catastrophic. I was lucky. I was one of the lucky ones. But the truth is, the massive majority of people uh, will come through it. Many of those who've had it never even knew that they had it. They never suffered any ill effects. The challenge in China is when you have just one person who tests positive with tests that are not not just not reliable, like super not reliable, you set off this whole series of local governments trying to enforce the will of the central government. 
And I'm not going to get into all of those details right now, but my, my whole point is if the local governments get in trouble when they don't fulfill the will of the big guys upstairs, then they they kind of overcorrect to make sure that they don't get into trouble. In practical terms, this means that you know 30% of the Chinese GDP is locked down as we speak right here today. This is going to be released around November, I don't know, end of November, let's say, uh, 2022. And then, you know, out of the entire economy in China, roughly 30% of it is locked down right now, which is uh, financially terrible, emotionally terrible. You know, anybody who oversees uh, or who looks past the kind of mental problems of not just being locked down, but like if you come out, we're coming after you and we're sending you to one of these quarantine camps, nightmare stuff. So Anyway, that's a long reason why we're not going to China. Why are we going to Vietnam? Well, we're going to Vietnam because it is and has been one of the key places that China production has moved because of the proximity, because of kind of existing relationships between China and Vietnam, which, by the way, for those keeping score at home, everybody thinks that they're they're uh, old buddies and pals, but they are not as close as you might think, despite both having, you know, kind of red flags. And I'm not going to get too deep into it, but don't forget at the end of the 70s, China and Vietnam actually went to war. And there are not awesome vibes on both sides of that border. Again, that doesn't mean they can't do business, but it is not like a super chummy relationship. That's the point I'm getting to. So the, the why of go to Vietnam uh, is really important. We've been buying in Vietnam for some period of time, uh, that period of time being, you know, four or five years. I was last in Vietnam in 2019, uh, the summer of 2019. I will probably go there, if not before the April trip, uh, it's possible I may dip in there before the April trip, but if not, then it'll be uh, me and you going together. Uh, for my first time since 2019. The great news is we're going to a trade show that is there. And this particular Vietnam Expo will have hundreds and hundreds of exhibitors, not all of which will be directly uh, relevant to your product. In fact, Vietnam at large is not a replacement for China. How could it be? They have you know, 120 million people roughly. You can't replace 1.2 billion people of production and capacity and uh, kind of breadth of resources with a 10 times smaller population. So there's some things that Vietnam is more uh, capable of doing immediately and today and other things that it's kind of phasing into. The good news for you is it there's still a high potential, particularly in their areas of strengths, but even in the emerging areas. So a lot of people don't realize that, you know, electronics is something that is like the number four or five export from, from Vietnam, especially if you take out food. Uh, it's in the top five for sure if you take out food items. And I don't do food. So to me, it's not relevant to to look at food in the in those export rankings. Vietnam's really good at textiles. Vietnam's really good at, at kind of leather and shoes and um, any kind of offsets that would be, you know, made of those types of products. So when you hear textiles, if you say, well, gosh, I, I make whatever draperies or pillows or, you know, sheets or pillowcases or, you know, 
that may be attractive to you, but textiles also means heavy textiles like backpacks or, you know, other complex things, you know, tents, um, all kinds of things, sleeping bags. There's a whole camping and outdoor um, kind of genre there. There's uh, many things in shoes. I'm not a shoe guy personally, but they do a ton of shoes. So any of those industries related to those um, make it, you know, much easier to kind of deal with. So, you know, if somebody makes shoes, they probably know how to deal with leather. And somebody makes shoes, they probably know how to deal with snaps and ties and, you know, the, the different components that might be in shoes. So maybe they can make a wallet really easy, or maybe they can make these other similar components. And maybe they're already making those. But part of it is that Vietnam is being sought after so much that there's a lot of drain on the, the labor sector there. Um, in, in other words, as new money comes in, people trying to replace production in China, the industries that pay the most will attract the most workers. So there's a lot of this push and pull for some of the best workforces. What does that mean to you and me? Ultimately, it means as the dynamic situation unfolds, we will react accordingly. So by going to a trade show, you're already in front of factories who want to talk to you. More so, we're not just going to you know, put you on the ground and uh, prepare for the trade show. We're going to make sure that you get the chance to talk to a couple experienced uh, trading companies and sourcing agents that allow you to maybe delegate some of your day-to-day -day sourcing and, and work that may have otherwise fallen um, e either onto you or fallen away completely, like nobody's doing it, which is uh, not a great outcome. We could talk later about the value of a sourcing company and a trading company in these uh, concepts. And I have talked about that to some extent last time. Anybody who's like, I never would use a sourcing agent. I would never use a trading company. I always have to buy from the factory. Well, frankly, you don't know what you're talking about. Um, now, there are times where I will not use a trading company, but the contextual elements of that are so critical. There are other times I only want to use a trading company. Or in fact, I have to use a trading company because this particular factory that I found that I think is really valuable and makes a product just the way I want it has no export license. So the best thing to do is for a small fee and some responsibilities, throw the trading company a little Scooby snack and let them kind of manage that process. Thanks again, everybody. Go be awesomer.